0: Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, I Love My Church, from Psalm chapter 122. Of course, we all have Sundays when we wish we didn't have to get out of bed, or get ready, or go to church, or serve in whatever capacity we serve. But we do. We get up, we go, we gather, and we glory. Maybe we go because we have a biblical conviction to go. But one good reason to go is because we love it. We love our church. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Here's Pastor Tim.
1: Togetherness is an important part. Number two, testimony is an important part. Look at that next phrase there in verse number four. He says, these tribes, they're going up together, right? What are they going to? He says, to the testimony of Israel. Now, your translation may say it sound a little bit different than mine. And, and depending on how it's said, it really means two different things. For example, my new King James says, to the testimony, and my, my word testimony is capitalized as yours, It says, to the testimony of the Lord. Now, what's he talking about? What is the capital testimony of the Lord? It's the Ark of the Covenant. It was called the testimony. It was the testimony of God's work among His people. It was the the reminder of God's presence. It It was the centerpiece of the mercy seat. Where the blood was poured out and forgiveness was made. The presence of God. Listen, if that's what David's trying to say, then then he's got the most important part said right now. I mean, if there are different parts of church, the most important part is the presence of God. You ever been in a church Jesus wasn't there? You know, been in those church? We call them what? We call them dead churches, right? Because there's no spiritual life. There's no spiritual vitality. They've abandoned God's Word and they've abandoned Him. And there ain't nothing worse than trying to sit through a church service where the presence of God is not there. But there ain't nothing like a church service with the presence of God. He is here where those two or three have gathered together. And He is right there in their midst. His presence is so manifest that people can see that He is here. They see it and they sense it. They sense it through the worship. They see it in people being saved. They see it in God doing what only God can do. There is nothing more important than the presence of God. So we say, what's, a, what's an important part? It's the testimony of the Lord. Now, I said your translation, though, may sound a little bit different. Some of these are different. Yours may say something like this. As a, lowercase t, testimony to The Lord, as a testimony to the Lord. Now he's not talking about the Ark of the Covenant, is he? He's talking more about a personal testimony. He's talking about those who are able to say, This is what God has done for me. This is what he's done for me. If he's done this in my life, he can do this in your life. We begin to encourage one another with what God is doing and what God has done, it becomes a testimony to others about God's work. That's an important part of church, isn't it? It's important that you know our stories. It's important that you know how, how so-and-so got saved. It's important that you know what so-and-so is going through. It's important to know the suffering of some. It's important to know the triumph of others. Those testimonies of what God is doing is vitally important. But let me tell you this. There is somebody to whom you testify by coming to church week after week after week. This somebody is not here. The somebody that you testify to by going to church every single week are your neighbor's. Who don't go anywhere. They know. They see the car leaving on Sunday morning. And they see it leaving every Sunday morning. They know because of the way that you live. Or the way that you've talked to them. That you're going to church. And Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. They see your car go. And they begin to know what's important. It's a testimony to them of what faithfulness really looks like. Togetherness is an important part. Testimony is an important part. Number three, thanksgiving is an important part. Look at the very next phrase, the last phrase of verse number four. He says, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. To give Him thanks. We don't just do that in November. (laughs) We're to give Him thanks all the time. I want you to think of something right now that you are thankful for. What are you thankful for that God has done for you in your life? What's just one thing. One thing. You got it? All right. I want to ask you to think of two things at once. I know that's hard. Here we go. Think of the first person that you would want to tell what you're thankful for that God's done for you. Who is that person? It may very well be that that person's sitting right next to you. It might be that you're going to see them at work tomorrow. It might be that you're going to see them at school tomorrow. It might be that you see them sometime in the afternoons. What are you thankful for that God has done for you? You need to tell it. You need to tell it. Just like that idea of testimony being important, this idea of giving thanks to God for what He has done in the presence of other people is important. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a City that is compact together. Where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. To the testimony of the Lord. To give thanks in the name of the Lord. And then he says this in verse 5. For thrones are set there for judgment. The thrones of the house of David. The throne is an important part, isn't it? Now, when I was a kid growing up, every, every church I'd ever been to looked exactly the same. They had a little small stage. The choir loft was in the back behind the preacher. There was a modesty rail that went across right there. And then there were these four throne chairs. You know what I'm talking about. All you got to do is say throne chairs, you know. There were two big ones and two little ones. You know, the preacher always got to sit in the big one. Minister of Music always had to sit in the little one, Right? And boy, if a guest preacher ever came, they'd give him that big old throne seat. The preacher was so humble, he would sit in a small seat. Now, I don't know, I don't understand all that. Anyway, <laughs> there are places that are important, aren't there? Places that are important where we sit. In this particular case, who is writing this? It's David, right? David is the king. And David would, when he would go to Jerusalem when he would go wherever David went, he would set up a throne. If David's going to church, there could be a throne right there, right? For him to do his kingly business, thrones that are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Let me mention this to you. Did you know that Air Force One is not a particular plane? It's not, is it? What is Air Force One? It's whatever plane the president's riding on. If the president's there, that is Air Force One. If the king is here, if the king is seated, that is his throne. The throne itself carries no weight It is the one who is seated on the throne. The one who has authority. The one who has dominion. The one who has right. That's what makes the chair the throne. When it comes to church, there's only one seat that really matters. It's Jesus' seat. He is the king. He is the one to be seated upon the throne. And if he is not on the throne, then there is a problem at that church. If the preacher's on the throne, there's a problem. If the deacons are on the throne, it's a problem. If the Sunday school teachers are on the throne, it's a problem. If the kids are on the throne, it's a problem. If anybody is on the throne besides Jesus, there is a problem. We want to make sure that he has preeminence. In all things, and at all times, these are the important parts of church. Let me give you one third aspect. One third thing that I look at these passages and say, I love that. I love participating in my church. I love the parts of my church. And I love the peace at my church. I love the peace at my church. The Bible says that it is good When God's people dwell together in unity. It is. There ain't nothing like a church that ain't in unity. (laughs) There ain't nothing like a church that is. And you can tell. You can tell by the presence of peace. If your church is filled with drama, there is a problem. If your church is filled with People trying to, trying to point fingers towards themselves. That's a problem. But when peace reigns, the Spirit of God is there for sure. I love the peace that we have at our church. Now this final section, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, every one of these things deal with peace. For example, look if you will at verse number 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Our prayers for peace are important. Our prayers for peace are important. And we are directed specifically to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Since October the 7th, they have been at war in Jerusalem, in Israel. You say, well, that's That's how that seems to happen all the time. Since October 7th, those rockets have been going in as fast as possible. And our direction on the other side of the world is to do what? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You learned it in your Sunday school lesson today. Whoever is friends with them are friends with God. And whoever are enemies of them are enemies of God. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But as we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for the peace in our church. We're praying for the peace in our homes. We don't want war there. We don't want bickering there. We don't want drama there. Those prayers for peace... Are important. Are you praying for peace? Or are you just praying for somebody else to change? Pray for God to do His work. Of peace in the hearts of people that are around you. Number two. The path to peace is important. The path to peace. What follows at the end of verse number 6 and through verse number 7. Is this prayer itself. When he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, now he says, here's the prayer. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. That's the pathway to peace. The pathway to peace is simply to do the things that God has said to do and to do those things the way that He has said to do them and to do them with the resources that He Himself has provided and the power with which He has provided. That's the way to peace. That's the way to prosperity. That's the way for it to be within your walls at your home. To be within the walls of your church. To be within the walls of your city the path to peace is an important one and it always goes through Jesus always every president in my lifetime has tried to bring peace to Jerusalem and not one of them have been successful because political peace will not happen until one day generals and every army around the world have tried to make peace in Jerusalem by making war in Jerusalem. There won't be military peace until one day. It's not going to be until Jesus is on his throne that there can be political peace. It's not until Jesus is the commander in chief that there can be military peace. Until Jesus is who Jesus is, for all of the world to see, the peace is just not possible, either there or at your house. Both. Let me give you one more. The purpose of peace is important. The purpose of peace. What does he say? What is his purpose? He says in verse number eight, for the sake of my brethren and my companions, in other words, for my family and for my friends, right? For the sake of my brethren and my companions, I will now say, Peace be within you, because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. It's the purpose. Purpose has a people element. (laughs) My family and my friends. It has a place element. Jerusalem. The house of God. Our church. Your home. We focus those prayers for peace upon those places. That God might reign in sovereignty over them. That His Spirit might bring them peace. And then what do we do? He says, because of all of that, I will seek your good. You want to have peace with other people? You want to make your worship service even better? Start seeking the good for others. Not just how it's going to benefit you, but how you might be a blessing to them. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I asked you a while ago, what's one thing that you're thankful for? I ask you to find somebody who's, who's that first person. Let me go ahead and give you somebody. How about the Lord? Right now, right where you are, give Him thanks for that thing. Whatever it is that you are so thankful for that you know that he has done in your life, you give him thanks. You'll be a testimony to others. Maybe during this time you share it with them. Maybe during this time you bring your friend with you to the altar and express thanksgiving, and provide testimony. Is there something that you need? Maybe it is peace. Maybe it's something on the road to peace. Maybe you just simply bring that to the Lord at the altar. Maybe you let me pray with you about it. Maybe you need to give your heart to Jesus. Or maybe you need to plant your life in our church. Of all the people that are in the room, you know better than anybody else what you need to do during this time. Okay? Jesus, these are your moments. We consecrate them to you. We give them to you. We thank you for our church today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me where you are. Sean.
0: Pastor Tim thanks you for joining us here today on Brit David Podcast. And he would like to invite you to check out our past messages here on our podcast library. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at Brittdavid.org We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.